0: Morning Cornerstone, so good to be with you. It's so good to be with many of you a little bit ago out in our parking lot and that was a that was a blessing to get to be together. Totally, 100% respect those of you who did not yet feel ready to gather with us or especially if you were feeling symptomatic or just feeling a little off this morning or if there's exist, pre-existing conditions where you just have to be careful about being around people. We wanted to be able to provide a chance for you to be a part of the same thing with us And we thank you so much for that. We thank you for joining us this morning. What we're gonna do this morning, we're just gonna spend some time singing and sharing communion together. We're gonna worship together. Uh, Even for those of us that gathered outside this morning, I just think uh, over the last few months as I would think about what I would love to do when we got back together, just to have a time to to sing and share communion. And it was so good to do that. it was so good to do that a little bit outside this morning. I didn't know that I would get to be the one who would lead us in our communion time, but with Todd still being out of town on vacation, Todd family, hope y'all are having a great time together, getting refreshed. But for those of us who are together, I'm so excited to get to spend some time walking through what, what, what communion is all about this morning. This is what I'd love to do before we spend a little bit more time singing. I'd love to talk with you a little bit of just about what communion represents and especially how, how we go about doing it here at Cornerstone. The first thing I would say is this. Communion is one of two sacraments or ordinances that that Jesus has commanded us as his people to do. A sacrament just means a a, a holy thing, something that we do that is set apart or distinct or different from other things that we do. An ordinance just means it's something that God has commanded us to do. The first sacrament that Jesus gave us is baptism, this this one-time initial act whereby a person identifies themselves with Jesus through his death And resurrection. That marks someone's entry into this new covenant community of the church, and it comes first. In contrast, communion or the Lord's Supper is not a one time thing, it's it's a regular, repeated thing that we do together as God's people as a way to remember and and symbolize the unity that we share with Christ and with one another. So, what we do here at Cornerstone, we, we hold that baptism or that communion is something that is intended for those who are followers of Jesus Christ, who have committed to follow him and have done that publicly through baptism, through that initial act, that initial ordinance of identifying with Jesus. So what I would say to you is if you're watching this morning with us and you're not someone who has yet committed to follow Jesus, or perhaps you're someone where you're a follower of Jesus, but for one reason or another, you have not committed yet through that act of baptism, I would ask you just to participate with us by watching and listening and learning as we share this simple, beautiful meal. For those of you who will be taking it with us, I would say if you haven't already, take some time to either grab a few crackers or some bread and some juice or wine, like grape juice or wine or something like that that you can use to to share in this together in a few minutes. But one other thing I would mention to you is this. Because this simple meal, this bread and cup, symbolizes our unity, not only with Jesus, but with one another as, as a family. If there's anything in your life, anything in your relationship with another brother or sister that, would dis, that is disrupting that unity, if there's any sin that you know between you and the Lord you have not yet confessed and sought his forgiveness for, if there's an argument, a disagreement that you've had with another brother or sister, your spouse, your children, your parents, something like that, and you have not yet reconciled and asked for forgiveness, man, a great thing to do over these next few minutes as we prepare to take communion is to pull each other aside to ask for forgiveness, to grant forgiveness, to pray together with one another. So that way, as we take this meal that symbolizes our unity, we will have dealt with things that would get in the way, obstacles to our unity beforehand. But as we begin and as we turn to sing a few more songs, would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to gather as your people at your table. Thank you for the deep significance, the deep meaning that there is in this simple bread and cup. Lord, thank you that you draw near to us, that you are present with us through your Holy Spirit, but that especially at this meal, you share your presence with us in a way that that unites us deeper together as followers of Jesus. Would you do that, Lord? Would the the ramifications of our time together this morning be a church that is more united, more humble, and more ready to serve you in the opportunities that you give us over this coming week. I ask this in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen.
1: Amen. Psalm 105 reads, Give praise to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Make known among the nations what he has done. Sing to him. Sing praise to him. Tell of all his wonderful acts. Glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Look to the Lord and his strength. Seek his face always. Amen. Just a fun little thing, as we just continue to worship the Lord, I thought it would be fun, you know, as we were singing outside, we took a we took a pause and everyone just began to just lift up praise to the Lord, things that they were thankful for. So, maybe if you, for those that are tuning in on, maybe you're on Facebook or you're on, um, you know, the church website or you're on YouTube, all places that you can comment, if you would comment just in the stream and just say one thing you're thankful for, what are you thankful for because of the Lord, what has He done in your life this last week, just Just give a sentence, like give a testimony of something that he's done and just let it encourage everybody that is watching because all of us have testimonies of what the Lord has done and is doing in our lives. So just take a moment and do that and then we're going to sing one one, one last song together before we we have a time of taking communion and Christian's going to open God's word a little bit for us. alone
2: in christ alone my hope is found he is my life my strength my song this cornerstone this solid
0: For those of you who were able to join us last Sunday, we were looking at the last part of Philippians 1 and the first part of Philippians chapter 2. and We saw this call that Paul gives to the church in Philippi and to us, the church in Simi Valley at Cornerstone, to let our manner of life be worthy of the gospel. To not only believe the truth of the gospel, to be trust in Jesus for our salvation, but also to model our lives, the manner of our lives, after the example of sacrificial servant love that we see in Jesus. We saw Paul call us to renounce rivalry and self-promotion, and instead he says, in humility, to consider one another as more significant than ourselves, especially those who tend to be seen as less significant, either in our society or even by us. To not only look out for our own interests, but also the interests of each other. We saw from that passage that this like-mindedness for the gospel being of one mind, one soul, one heart, as he keeps saying in that passage, it all centers around these two ideas of unity and humility, that we are unified around the call to in humility can give greater significance to each other than we try to get for ourselves. But that humility is not just what we're unified around, it's as we pursue humility that we are enabled to grow in our unity. That's why I think there's no better way for us to follow up that conversation than by sharing the Lord's Supper because the Lord's Supper is all about unity and humility. This simple meal, this simple bread and cup, it's a meal that humbles us. That's the first thing I want to say. This, this Lord's Supper is meant to humble us that, regardless of how important you may be in your world, in your profession, in your career, or matter, regardless of how much power or status or money you may have or not have, none of that matters at this table. We do not earn our spot at this table. None of us comes to this supper because of our own accomplishments, our own achievements. But I also say in the same way, none of us are kept from the supper based upon our lack of accomplishment, our lack of achievement, our failure. Instead, we find grace at this table because of Jesus's achievements, because of what he has accomplished. Through his obedience to the Father, even to the point of death on the cross, his victorious resurrection three days later, his ascension in glory, exaltation to the right hand of God the Father, his pouring out of the Holy Spirit to give new life and to indwell those who believe this gospel message. That's why we come to this table. We come to this table needy and surrendered, renouncing our own efforts, our own self-promotion. We come humble. And when we come to this table in humility, we find Jesus welcoming us, saying, yes, you can be here. I have made a place for you here. We find grace at this table for those who come in humility. Because not only does this meal humble us, this is a meal that teaches us what humility looks like. As I was reflecting on that this week, my attention was drawn to Luke 22, one of the passages in the Gospels when we read of Jesus instituting this Lord's Supper in this Passover meal right before his, his betrayal and arrest and trial and crucifixion. The, the interesting thing in Luke 22 and Luke's account of it is immediately after Jesus institutes the Lord's Supper, it says that a, dis, a, a dispute, an argument broke out amongst the disciples in the room over which of them was the greatest. How strange. Which one had the highest position? Who could sit closest to Jesus? Who was where on the pecking order? Maybe even who was the lowest performing and therefore in their eyes the most likely to betray Jesus. But in the midst of this, this response that was so the antithesis of what this meal was about, listen to how Jesus responds. Luke twenty two, verse twenty-five. He said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and those in authority over them are called benefactors, but not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest or the less, and the leader as the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? He's picturing, again, the very meal setting that they were in. Typically, you'd have the host, the the owner of the house or something, who would be leading the feast, who would invite the guests, who would take the seat of honor around the table. And his servants would be around the outside of the room to to bring them what they need. They would be standing around the outside. And so Jesus says, look at us right now. Who, Who usually has the highest position? Is the person seated at the table or the one standing around waiting to wait on them? But then he says this, is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I, he says, I am among you as the one who serves. Jesus is saying to his disciples, if you wanna understand what authority looks like in my kingdom, if you wanna understand what greatness looks like in my kingdom, you're gonna have to look at, that, at this through different lenses. You're gonna have to look to me. I am among you as one who serves, even though I have the highest position even though I have the greatest status. In the way that John recounts this scene in John chapter 13, he's the one of the gospels who, uh, gospel writers who gives us this beautiful picture of Jesus in the middle of this meal, getting up, putting a towel around his waist and going person by person around, washing his disciples' feet. And it's so powerful, it's so amazing what Jesus does there because I love the way he, after he finishes washing their feet, They're all going, what are you doing? This is the task that is reserved for the lowest, most insignificant of servants. What are you doing doing this, Jesus? And listen to what he says in John chapter 13, verse 12. He says, do you understand what I've done for you? Because obviously he didn't. What are you doing, Jesus? He says this, you call me teacher and Lord and master. And you are right, for that is who I am. I am your teacher. I am your master. I have that highest position. If I then, your master and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done for you. This meal humbles us, this meal teaches us humility. In this meal, we not only confess our allegiance, our devotion to Jesus, the one who was in the highest position and yet served us. In this meal, we also recommit ourselves to a manner of life like Jesus to follow the example that he has set for us. This meal humbles us, it it teaches us humility. And the purpose of this meal is to unite us You see, this simple bread and cup, as simple as they are, they are symbols, they are symbolic of the unity that we share with Christ and with one another. But they're not just symbols. I would say that this simple meal is one of the greatest resources that God has given us to grow in unity together. It it works in both ways at the same time. The bread and the cup are both symbols of our unity and means of growing in our unity. Because here's, here's the thing about these, these, these symbols. Jesus is present with us in this supper in a way that's hard for us to wrap our minds around. Not, not as, as some Christians would say that, that this bread and this cup literally become his body and blood. I don't believe that's what scripture teaches. Others would say that Jesus is somehow closely present with these elements, that he's in or around or under these elements. I don't think that's the point either. But I do think that there is something special about this meal in that Jesus shares his presence with us. Granted, he is with us always through his spirit whom he's given us. But I do think there is this special, almost mysterious way. And when we, as God's people, gather together around this simple meal, Jesus is with us, and he works in our midst to draw us closer together. This is a simple meal, but as you see, it has deep, deep significance. So if you will, would you take your bread, your cracker, whatever it is that you have, would you take it in your hands? Listen to me, listen with me as I read what the Apostle Paul says about this meal. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Would you take this and let's share this together. Paul continues in verse 25. In the same way also, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Covenant is just a big Bible word that means a a publicly acknowledged relationship. Not assuming, oh yeah, Jesus is my homeboy or something like that, but, but saying, Jesus, I have committed my life to you. You have demonstrated your love for me and we are bound to each other. We are connected to one another through this meal. This cup, Jesus says, is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And he continues, he says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's take this together. Jesus, we thank you for having us as your guests at your table. As we come to this table, we we do not come based upon our own accomplishments, our own importance, we come humble. We come committed to live a manner of life like you did. We do not do this perfectly and we thank you so much for the grace that we find in this table. We thank you so much for the grace of your forgiveness. We thank you, Jesus, for your blood that was shed for us to ransom us from sin. We thank you so much for your body, which is for us. We thank you so much that we as your people get to gather in your name and proclaim your death until you come, because you are coming again. You told your disciples at that meal that you would not again drink from the fruit of the vine until you drink it new with us in your kingdom. We long for that day, Lord. This small meal does not satisfy our appetite. If anything, it only wets our appetite for that full feast Not just the food, the wine, the goodness of what we will have in your presence, but to be with you in an even greater way than even we are with you right now. But we thank you for the symbolism. We thank you for the power of this simple act to unify us, to humble us, and to lead us as your people into the opportunities you will give us over this next week to make you known to those around us. Thank
3: you, Jesus, for your supper.